0: Rafer. Yes, Kristen. You know how we know it's Oscar season?
1: How do we know? Because of
0: two words, dumb and dumber two.
1: That's not even two words. That's not even two words. (laughs) It's only three. Wow. Oh, oh, God.
0: Oh, that's rich. Yeah.
1: Dumb and dumber too. it It's been 20 years since the first one. And finally, we've got the sequel, Jim Carrey. Jeff Daniels back together again.
0: Mm, smell that Oscar magic.
1: <laughs> what? So now, wait. good. Speaking of, of Oscar magic, what else do we have, though? We do have some Oscar contenders yeah, on this podcast. we have this
0: kind of blatant ripoff of, uh, what's it called, The Bodyguard? The Bodyguard. Yeah, yeah, that won an Oscar, right?
1: Beyond the Lights. <laughs> I that wasn't the movie I was thinking of, but okay. What else do we have?
0: We actually do have two movies which are real contenders, though. We have Foxcatcher. With Steve Carell, who a lot of people are just wowed by the star turn of his. Indeed, And then we also have the movie that I've been looking forward to for months and months and months, Theory of Everything.
1: Right, the uh, Stephen Hawking biopic with Eddie Redmayne as Stephen Hawking.
0: Yes, and as Jane Wilde, his first wife, we have the wonderful Felicity Jones, who you are wild about.
1: I am wild about her. (laughs) Um, We'll review all four of those movies, plus our sweatpants pick of the week. All that,
0: plus a little listener mail as well.
1: Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> let's not forget. But first, let's introduce ourselves. I'm Ray for Guzman, movie critic for Newsday.
0: And I'm Kristen Meinzer, culture producer for The Takeaway. And this is Movie Date. Is
1: Kristen, I didn't know that you were looking forward so much to the theory of everything.
0: Yes, don't you remember it was in my top five picks for the fall season? Oh,
1: that's right. Yeah, that's
0: right. Because I'm kind of a Stephen Hawking super fan. Are you? Yeah, I kind of, a, I mean, isn't everybody who's not inspired by this man's ideas, which are so huge, and his uh, vision for the universe and how the world works? Is so enormous and yet his physical limitations really are completely the polar opposite of what his brain is doing all the time. So yes, exactly. I think he's been a he's been the source of great fascination for a lot of us. But this new movie isn't really about him and his findings so much about him and love and his uh His wife, Jane Wilde, he was with her from the time he was in Cambridge as a grad student studying astrophysics, and she was uh, getting a graduate degree in, I believe it was French literature. Is that right? uh,
1: She was getting a graduate degree in, I think, Spanish medieval poetry.
0: Oh, gosh, I was totally off
1: there. (laughs) But she does mention that she was uh, studying French as well.
0: Yes, and so uh, we really see what happens when these two get together, start to fall in love, and then early on he's diagnosed with uh, motor neuron disorder, which now we would call ALS, probably. ALS
1: or Lou Gehrig's disease. I yes. think. Yes,
0: and um, at the time he was given two years to live. And Jane Wilde said, "I don't care how much time you have left. Let's enjoy what little time you have together." But of course, it didn't stay as little time. It turned into decades and decades and decades. Here's a clip. Leave me now.
1: Are you going to talk about this or Please not? Me just go. Is that what you want?
0: Yes, it is what I want, so please, if if you care about me at all, then please just go. I can't. I have two years to live. I need to work. I love you. you, you, You've left... That's a false conclusion.
1: So, Kristen, uh, what did you think of Eddie Redmayne in this role? It's an interesting role because you... You really don't see him out of his wheelchair that much. You get uh, maybe a third of the film. You see him standing up, moving around, uh, and then he deteriorates essentially for the rest of the film.
0: Yeah, and it's a really tough role, I would imagine, because some of, because most of the acting is really with his eyes in a lot yeah. of ways, and he can't really use his body very much, and, or even
1: his facial muscles.
0: Yeah, and and you know, you get a sense of humor from him. You get a lot of the things that we know are part of Hawking's personality. But how we get them, it's really tough because there's also a point where we can't really even understand what he's
1: saying anymore. Right. And of course, Stephen Hawking, as as most people know, uses one of those uh, speech-synthesized uh, communication devices. He, uh, you know, he... I'm not quite sure how it works, but I think he essentially clicks on certain words. He puts them together and then a, a kind of Mac, Mac style uh, computer voice will come out and, and uh, dictate his words. So, yeah, a lot of times you're not really hearing him or watching him do almost anything. You're right. He's, he's doing almost all of this with his eyes. Did you think he was good?
0: I thought he was good, but I really think this movie belongs to Felicity Jones. This oh you is, do? Yes, absolutely. Because this is based on Jane Wilde's own memoir. Right. This is her perspective on the relationship. This is what she went through, going from a young twenty year old girl who's in love to being a longtime caretaker for a husband who really she's not just carrying his weight emotionally, she's physically carrying him up and downstairs. Yes, right. Plus she has three kids with him and what that relationship is, what it's like to have desires um, that she can't fulfill that are out there beyond him. Sure. And I, I just, I think it's a fantastic story more about her than about him and about how they interact with each other. And I'm just going to sound hokey for a second about the little universes we create with other people uh-huh. and love and power and all of those things that make up the smallest portions of our lives but also make up everything that our lives are uh-huh. just as much as the stars and the universe and gravity and all these other powers make up our lives. But in our immediate, you know, what we see, what we do, who we're around every day, it's, it's a story about that and that kind of idea of the universe. And, yeah. and I loved that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was um, it's really it's really interesting to try to put yourself in either one of their shoes to be the person who is being cared for. Uh, or, to be the person who has to care for the other person who is you know really debilitated um, and really can do so little for himself, I mean n- nothing really essentially um, i I thought it was interesting to see the way their relationship develops, and there's there are some corners that it that that relationship turns <laughs> that's i 'm not now i 've lost my grammatical syntax there um, the relationship turns some corners. That I thought were um, really interesting and surprising, and I th- and I thought it was um, I could really I could really see what was happening from both sides. I could see how that relationship was developing from both sides, and it was very difficult to really to blame anyone. I felt uh, you,
0: and by blame you mean because everyone's making mistakes in this movie too. Yes, everyone's making decisions that are hard decisions. Yes, and um, and I agree with you on that. And. But I really appreciate how much time they spent on Felicity Jones, on Jane Wilde's character, because I don't think she gets all the attention that she should when people talk about what his life has been, because his life for a lot of it hasn't just been him studying and him writing. It's also been him with his family and his wife. So um, I thought it was a really good date.
1: So The Theory of Everything, good date for you. I'm going to say very good date for for me, too. Um, And I think... Probably these are two leading Oscar contenders at this point, right? Eddie Redmayne as Stephen Hawking and, um, excuse me, Felicity Jones as Jane Wilde. I think it's pretty clear we're going to see them in the lineup.
0: Yeah. And also for all the folks out there who know I love to cry, I, of course, bawled during this movie. Why did I ever (laughs) cry during Theory of Everything? I Cried and cried and cried. Loved it.
1: Loved it. All right, let's talk about Another Oscar contender, Foxcatcher, slightly heavier subject, wouldn't you say? Oh, absolutely. Tell us about this movie, Rafer. Okay, so this is based on the true story, which I, I, not many people know, which I was surprised to find. I think a lot of people. I'm one of the people who didn't know. You, you're one of them. I think a lot of people are going to go into this film um, not knowing what happens at the end, and so we will not spoil that uh, for anyone. But it is based on the true story of John DuPont, heir to the massive DuPont fortune, played by Steve Carell who is a kind of uh, unstable, uh, unsettling type, uh, you know, a billionaire heir to a fortune who has bought and sold everything all his life and feels very entitled, decides on a whim that he's going to put together the U.S. Olympic wrestling team, hires a couple of them, uh, played by Channing Tatum and Mark Ruffalo, their brothers. He decides he's going to use these guys to help him craft his Olympic wrestling team. Of course, things don't quite go the way that anyone planned. Here's a clip. Well, I'm a I'm a wrestling coach. And I have a deep love. The sport of wrestling. And I wanted to speak with you about your future. About what you hope to achieve. What do you hope to achieve, Mark?
0: So creepy.
1: That is Steve Carell as John Dupont. He is uh, playing this uh, sort of—I'm not sure how do you describe that character. He's just a little off. There is something wrong in his eyes. Something wrong in the way he is interacting with people. Speaking his posture. There's just everything about him that's not quite right. Repellent, and uh, he is—I think—as as we're going to hear more and more as this film rolls out, he is amazing in this film. Didn't yeah. you think? Yeah. And,
0: and I'd say f- he's, in a lot of ways, unrecognizable. I think people who- Oh,
1: completely. Who
0: know who Steve Carell is from his comedy work and um, from TV and so on are going to be really shocked watching this. And he physically, I, I'm not just talking about his makeup, the way he carries himself, the way he moves, yeah. the way he paces his language, all of it is just, who is this guy? Yeah. He is so creepy. Yeah. And he just doesn't look the same. He doesn't move the same. Nothing's the same, and you can really forget that it's Steve Carell. I think.
1: Yeah. No. He he's he's great looking. Um. I really. I have to say. I think everyone in this film. Oh, is, you're a
0: Channing Tatum well, lover. you know though. I'm you a Channing love Tatum. That Channing Tatum. You, you
1: know I do, and I think he is great in this movie. I think Mark Ruffalo as his older brother is also great. Um. The the one thing that I think a couple flaws in this film. One is I think it's. Pretty slow and pretty long. I agree. The pacing is very... You felt it.
0: Yeah. I almost felt like it was 1970s PBS pacing. (laughs) Do you know what
1: I mean? Wow. Yeah.
0: It's (laughs) really... A lot of long, slow scenes where people aren't necessarily talking or they're talking for maybe longer than you would want them to. Yeah. Um, things are stretched out quite a bit. So, yes, I agree with you about the pacing.
1: Yeah. And I, and I also think um, this movie is directed by uh, Bennett Miller, uh, who did Moneyball, uh, one of my favorite movies of the last couple of years, and also um, Capote, which won Philip Seymour Hoffman his Oscar. And even though I liked Philip Seymour Hoffman in that role, and I thought he was really extraordinary, um, there's something about that role that always struck me as a little bit of a, a, a collection of acting ticks. You know, there was a, there was the voice, there was the way he moved his face, the way he kind of moved his nose when he talked, which is kind of an amazing thing to do—the <laughs> way that Philip Seymour Hoffman could make his nose twitch in a certain way. But after a while, you want, you spend so much time with him, you're so closely involved with him. Um, that these ticks begin to kind of register with you. And that kind of happened to me here with this movie as well. Mm. I began to sort of see the acting because there's so much acting in this movie. Everyone's, more
0: acting than story, yeah.
1: More acting than story. Everyone's great. I still think Foxcatcher is a, is a good date. But, um, you know, and I think, again— All three of these guys are going to be in the Oscar running when it comes time for the nominations. I'd be very surprised if if any of these three get left out. But there is something about it that started to wear on me, and I guess it's perhaps what you're saying, the long length of the film. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You would say Watch it for the
0: acting. It's worth it for that. And you'll be glad you went. But there are going to be moments where where you're feeling like I got dragged along for something a little too long. Have we yeah. just
1: doomed Foxcatcher oh, no. to, I... to the to the to the to the must see but not enjoyable Oscar contender category? Ouch. Also,
0: everyone's repellent in it. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, but the acting's fantastic. See yeah. it for the acting.
1: True. True.
0: Can we talk about another Oscar contender? Yes. It's called Beyond the Lights. Uh, now, this could be a contender for best song because you were telling me that you liked the music in this movie.
1: Yes. Well, okay. This I, is, I
0: missed this, by the way. Yeah, folks. you missed
1: this, and, I, and I'm and I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you missed this because it would have been fun to talk to you about it. It's uh, it's the new movie with uh, Gugu Mbatha-Raw, who, who you I liked. Loved. Yeah. Yeah.
0: She was in Bell earlier this year. Right. Just a terrific movie.
1: That was. She plays a, a what is it? Maybe an 18th century or 19th century a Mixed aristocrat. Race,
0: aristocrat. Yes. Right.
1: So here she's uh, trading her corsets for uh, pop stars. Outfits. She's uh, showing up in stripper shorts and high heels and big giant chokers. Uh, she's basically playing a Rihanna-type pop star named Noni. She's uh, tarting herself up, uh, selling sex, uh, taking off her clothes for photo shoots, doing the whole bit. But something, something inside her feels hollow she's she's not happy and she falls in love of course with uh, a young cop stationed outside her hotel room a guy named uh, kaz he's played by nate parker they meet when uh, uh, noni is at a at a low point here's a clip
0: i thought you were looking for me yeah i um, just
1: wanted
0: to apologize for who reacted after the press conference Sorry, right, you have to die. I don't like doing that. Anyway, that's what I can say. And
1: see if you're okay. This is essentially The Bodyguard, uh, but without Kevin Costner or Whitney Houston, uh, apparently. Um, which I'm going to say if you're going to do a movie that's essentially The Bodyguard, and you don't have Whitney Houston, I think you're already basically fighting a losing battle. do you know what I'm saying mm. uh, so here's my here's I'll say two things about this movie one is um the pop scenes the scenes where she's in the in the video shoots where she's doing the actual videos she's on the stage uh, she's yeah, behind the scenes in the in the conference rooms at the record labels all those scenes are really interesting and they those scenes say a lot about what it would be like to be a woman in the music industry, and she's really, you know, her mother, played by Minnie Driver, who is her stage manager, uh, really puts her through the paces and tells her to, you know, take off her jacket, do this, do that, Um, and it really, it gives you a pretty good sense of what it would be like to be under that spotlight and forced to use your body to sell your records, Um, and there's some interesting stuff about race, I think, in this movie as well. The problem is you've got this crappy bodyguard story, mm. and Nate Parker as the love interest is just a complete drag. He was in Red Tails. I've seen him be good in other Red things. Red Tails
0: isn't a very good movie. That's
1: not a very good movie, but I'm just saying I've seen him be better, but he is such a low energy. It's just, mm. he's just a, he just sucks the air out of every single scene. If this movie had been something a little bit more lively and a little bit almost more focused on the music industry, it could have been something really sharp and interesting. Instead, you've got this kind of cruddy romance I would have to say Beyond the Lights is not a very good date, even though it tries, even though it tries. I'm
0: sad to hear that. But The Dream, the music from The Dream. Yeah, The Dream, yeah, yeah, The Dream is one of the,
1: he's one of the producers in here. Yeah, all the music is really authentic. The costumes look great. Sandra Hernandez is the costume director. Um, All the costumes look exactly like something you have seen on a video or on Rihanna, and uh, they all look great. (laughs) So there's some great details in it. I just wish that they'd uh, scrapped the story completely and done something else.
0: Mm.
1: Wow. When we
0: come back, we're going to talk about Dumb and Dumber 2, and maybe that will make us a little bit happier. Maybe. Maybe. We'll see. (laughs) We'll see about that. We'll also, of course, visit um, our newest sweatpants pick and have some listener mail. And as always, trivia. Stay with us.
1: I'm Rafer Guzman.
0: And I'm Kristen Meinzer.
1: And this is Movie Date.
0: Rafer. Yes. You know what a lot of people did last week? What? They went to our Facebook page. Did they? Facebook.com slash Movie Date Podcast. You know why? Why? Because they wanted to answer our trivia answer. They also called 5717 Movies to do that. That's right. But we're not even going to get to the trivia stuff for a while. But we wanted to remind listeners they can always go to Facebook. They can go to our phone lines. They can visit us anytime, even if they're not listening to us.
1: We're so available.
0: We're always here for you. We love you guys. We love you. All right, Rafer. Let's talk about Dumb and Dumber 2.
1: 2. Spelled T-O. That's correct. Because because (laughs) the guys in the movie are dumb. They're so stupid. Right? Okay. Kristen, give us the rundown. Of what Dumb and Dumber is about.
0: All right, so we have our two buddies, dumb, 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 dumb buddies, played by Jeff Daniels, Jim Carrey. Now they have been for the last twenty years, not you know quite themselves. Jim Carrey's been in a facility for, I don't know what's wrong with him. Yeah, I have
1: some kind of yeah, like an old like an old age home sort yeah, of something seems. like
0: that. And it turns out it's all a practical joke. And then he and Jeff Daniels are going to go off on an adventure now that that twenty year span has happened. That's really just making up an excuse of why it's been so long since there's been a sequel. That's really what it's about. But they're going to go off on an adventure because one of them supposedly fathered a child 20 years ago. That's right. They're going to find that illegitimate child who's been adopted and raised and lived a very rich, well-to-do life with a famous scientist. They're going to track her down at the equivalent of a TED conference Mm -hmm. called the Ken conference. The Ken chat. The Ken chat. (laughs) They're going to track her down there. And, of course, there are going to be some misadventures along the way when people this dumb end up at a conference with people that smart. Here's a clip.
1: Cheers! Whoa! Wait, where'd you get that? The slurpy machine in the back. That's embalming fluid. Oh.
0: Does it have aspartame? No. Cool.
1: Now, Kristen, are you a Jim Carrey fan?
0: You know, I used to have a crush on him when I was a little kid. When oh. I was really young. You know, I you know that movie Once Bitten? It's a vampire movie. <laughs> yes, I had such a crush on him during those days. That's Look fascinating. That. I thought he was so cute back then.
1: That's a completely fascinating story that I kind of wish I hadn't heard.
0: But hold on, you've never been a Jim Carrey fan.
1: I have never liked Jim Carrey's sense of humor. Something about Jim Carrey, and this is just one of those things. I'm not saying anything about him as a person. Something about him on screen just creeps me out. Really? Yeah, I find I find him creepy. Is I don't find face him too funny. Stretchy? His he's too rubbery. His, there's something about him that just i that i don't it gives me the shivers although i but i've liked him in his dramatic roles i liked oh, him in yeah. the truman show eternal i liked him sunshine. in eternal sunshine on the spotless mind i thought he was really good in both those and i was taken aback at how much i at how much he kind of en- endeared himself to me in those two movies because i i dislike his other movies so much i was never a fan of the original dumb and dumber and here's why i think i think the fairly brothers who created that are funny and i think they have they 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 know how to set up a joke and they know how to deliver it, but there's something about these two characters that is not. Um, there's nothing sweet or 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 cuddly or endearing or nice about them. They're just two kind of stupid, self-serving, slightly malicious lowlifes that I can't really. I can't enjoy their sense of humor when they're pulling these pranks and dumb things are happening to them and dumb things are happening to other people because of them. I can't I don't get that aw shucks feeling. It's you know I, I
0: think it's interesting that that's your big issue that their characters have no kindness to them. Yes. Because I know that you're not a big fan of just poop and fart jokes either and that, well, that's no. their only that's the only kind of jokes they do. Yeah. Like poop fart poop fart yes. poop fart jokes.
1: I uh, look I That's
0: pretty much it and and the fact that you might be able to put up with them if they were kinder and were still doing poop and fart jokes? Yeah, I would.
1: I think would. ridiculous I because would. it would still be those
0: terrible poop and fart jokes.
1: That's, but, but listen, that's why I was able to put up with uh, I mean, unlike every other critic apparently, I was able to put up with uh, A Million Ways to Die in the West, the uh, Seth McFarlane <laughs> movie, which was a lot of poop and fart jokes and yes, worse, yeah. but because he and uh, Charlize Theron were so likable I was able to kind of roll with it, even though that's not my style. Here, you You've just got to watch these two. It's a lot of just a lot of bodily fluid bathroom function jokes. And I just, you know, and when the two characters are kind of despicable, (laughs) there's not a lot for me to go on. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm, But I feel like I feel like the energy is there. Carrie is, you know, he's he's putting his all into it. He's he's every bit as kind of wild and loosey-goosey as he was in the first one. Jeff Daniels, I actually think, has gotten a little better since then over the last 20 years. I think he's, like, funnier and takes more control and gets more kind of set pieces in this movie. All that confidence from the newsroom. Exactly. (laughs) Well, you got to give him credit for being, uh, you know, versatile.
0: Versatile, yes.
1: So, you know, it's one of these things where I I try—you know, is it a— is it a bad date? Is it a good date? It's dumb horrible, and Dumber Two? No, you think it's, it's a horrible date? I can't even absolutely tell.
0: Absolutely horrible. Horrible, you said. Well, on. What do you mean you can't tell? We were sitting well, next just, to each other. Remember, like half the movie when I had my face covered? Yeah. Just like get me out of here. When is this going to end? And then I would hear you laughing next to yeah, me. Yeah, they were like you f-
1: were laughing. Oh a yeah, few yeah. Times there for... were a few. There were a few moments. You know, I mean, I thought the I think the practical joke idea that he that he'd been sitting in a wheelchair for twenty years is a practical joke was kind of funny. Mm-hmm. I think there are these. There are like moments where you're, you get a laugh. Rob Riggle, who's in the movie, um, he was in 21 Jump Street, he was in Let's Be Cops, he's mm-hmm. really good. He plays uh, the villain uh, in this film. He's good. I think he helps things out. Uh, Kathleen Turner uh, playing uh, Freda, who's a uh, – that character, by the way, is a holdover from the first movie. Um, I could do without the kind of like aging slut humor. But, you know, she,
0: she was supposed to have a young Freda version and flashback played by Jennifer Lawrence. That's right. And uh, all those scenes supposedly were filmed with Jennifer Lawrence, young Freida flashbacks. But she had a kill switch uh, or a veto option. In, in her clause, in, in, in her contract? Yeah. So – you know and she it, killed it huh and she she killed it
1: oh, she said boy. i don't want
0: those scenes cut them uh, i would have liked which to have she seen was that. very smart to do cuz
1: this movie is terrible it, but it's, it's i all i can say is it's hard for me to say because i was not a fan of the first one but so many people were it's almost impossible for me to say whether whether dumb and dumber 2 is like a good date or a bad date or what i just i never liked it in the first place and i don't like this one that much either but I feel like if you were a fan, this one might actually live up to your expectations a little bit. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Skepticism from Kristen Meinzer. All right. Well, let's move on then. What do we got next? You know what we have.
0: You're wearing sweatpants. It's Monday. Don't mind the Queen of England. I don't know. Does the Queen of England only wear sweatpants? When you're a man, sometimes you wear stretchy pants in your room. Hooray! It's sweatpants time. All righty, all right. So we got our stretchy pants on here. We're ready to not leave the house. Let's let's turn on some idiot box or some of that internet stuff and see what's on there.
1: Yeah. So this is. I mean, does now does the internet even count as an idiot box anymore? I feel like the internet is also kind of a smart box.
0: It is a smart box, but you know, you know but look at how much time we're spending being smart on that idiot box. Okay. Well, that's like a good how point. much time are you actually like looking up and researching the. Itty bitty details of the theoretical physics behind Stephen Hawking's ideas.
1: Well, I, you know what I did? I read the book. Really? I did, yeah. It was of no real use to me when I was watching the film, but I did read the damn book.
0: Really? I want
1: some credit for that. Wow. I did wow. not go to the internets.
0: A brief history of time is exactly. what Grafer is referring to, <laughs> I hope, better, and yes, not that's... to that comic
1: book that. <laughs> but, okay, all right. No. Okay. So what do we have on the TV and Internet this week for sweatpants pick? We have have essentially a web series called High Maintenance that's that's been getting some buzz. Uh, Oh, buzz. Get it? Ah! It's about (laughs) – the joke there, of course, is that it's about a pot dealer, an unnamed high maintenance. maintenance. My wife, who watched this with me, actually thought it was referring to um, co-op. And condo fees until I had to tell her. Only no. New Yorkers would get that. <laughs> That's what that. I said. No one's I was like understand. you're so <laughs> Brooklyn. Uh, this, this web this this web series does take place in Brooklyn. Uh, basically, it's kind of I think what you would call like an anthology series. So it's something like um, like Six Feet Under a little bit. You do have a regular character who shows up, who is the common thread, but the mostly guy. the guy. He's just called the guy. Uh, but mostly, what you have is um, him kind of being your springboard into a standalone story of some kind with very little overlap between any of these stories. Um, so each one kind of can stand on its own. Here's a clip. Well, what about a pound? That's a lot of weed, man. Yeah, I know. But, uh, you know, how long do you think that would last? I mean, she needs it for her anxiety and you know, tough times. That depends. How much do you smoke? Oh, I'm like a super lightweight. So like a one hit and I'm just like, Oh, okay. Then like forever.
0: Yeah, and so we get to know different characters, um, each of their little lives or big lives and what leads them to call the guy, why they need this marijuana. Right. Um and in a lot of this we're kind of just looking at ridiculous hipster stereotypes, broken yeah. stereotypes and so on. Kind of um and, and a lot of them were just looking at how irritating they are, thinking <laughs> Thank God you're getting stoned because you're just getting on everyone's nerves now. Just sit down on the couch and be
1: quiet. (laughs) Right.
0: But I would say there are a few moments, and I'm going to point specifically to episode three called Ruth. Ruth, yes. Which is very touching, and we're looking at people uh, with kindness whose lives aren't necessarily all what they want them to be, who need some connection, who need some love, who find each other. And the story is very little to do with marijuana. Yes, and most of them actually don't
1: have that much to do with marijuana. Yeah, this this, this definitely takes place in a in a uh, marijuana normalized era.
0: Yes, yes, and uh, I have to say, episode three called Ruth, I sobbed at the end. Did I really, you? I just cried and cried. I thought it was so touching. And after watching so many episodes where people aren't necessarily the characters aren't necessarily treated with compassion, but kind of treated sa- like a joke,
1: more satirical. Yeah. yeah.
0: But then to see one where there's so much sincerity and kindness for these characters. Yeah. And they really were just relatable, beautiful characters. I yeah. was crying at episode three. I really that that Made me think this is worth watching.
1: We should say that these things are about um, fifteen minutes long, if that. Yeah. Um, some so of you these you can are... just
0: watch. You could ha- turn one on in the morning while you're getting ready for work.
1: Yeah, you really could. Um, I think uh, it's it's. They were created by a, a husband and wife team, uh, Ben Sinclair and uh, Katja Blitzfeld, I hope I am pronouncing that name correctly. She was um, she was a casting director on Thirty Rock. Um, they got together. They made these little uh, webisodes, put them up on vid- on Vimeo for free, and then they did so well that. Vimeo um, picked them up and began to fund them, and I think these are the f- these are the first um, Vimeo funded web episodes yes. that they've done, right? And yeah. so you now these you can um, you can buy them. It's a, it's a buck ninety nine per episode, or you do eight dollars for all six. Um, I think that's really interesting, and most of that money, by the way, goes to the, the people who created the show. It's like ninety percent of whatever money that comes in, they get. Um, it's a great I, model. It's a great model. I think these were um, these are really interesting, really really artfully, skillfully told, really well edited, really well written. I'm, uh, these were really impressive to me, and they really feel more like short films than anything else. I
0: agree. I agree. Totally worth watching. Yeah. Really happy to choose this as our sweatpants pick for the week.
1: Yeah, me too.
0: All right. We're going to get to trivia in just a moment, but first we need to play a little bit of listener mail.
1: Hi, this is Jeff Kingers calling from New Jersey.
0: When Rafer was speaking this week about getting green slime in his shag carpeting as a kid, that did bring back memories for me that I wanted to share with you. I had a similar um, gross-out experience with my shag carpeting. I one day knocked off my whole container of sea monkeys onto the floor and remember standing there helpless and, and crying gently as they all you know, died in my carpet. And I had to walk around the spot for a few weeks afterwards because I just felt too bad about the whole thing and kind of a bummer to hear a rafer story because it did bring back those um, memories of childhood. But anyways, I thought I would share that with you and hope that your day is sea monkey free and... Better
1: than mine was. Bye. Right. Well, Jeff, thank you for sharing. <laughs> All those poor little brine shrimp.
0: Oh, I just love that. It's giving me flashbacks to childhood. All the weird. <laughs> Who decides that kids should have these toys? I don't so know. weird.
1: Ant farms, sea monkeys, things
0: that are just going to make a mess. Yeah, things that little young Rayford, a little seven-year-old Rayford, could not handle. <laughs>
1: That's Little true. That's racial. true. Uh, this, let this be a lesson to all parents out there. Uh, hardwood floors is the answer. Uh, okay, <laughs> let's get to trivia, Kristen.
0: All right. So last week, in honor of Interstellar, we played a clip of a certain sci-fi movie and asked you to name what that outer space movie was. Here's the clip. You'd
1: have beat him again if he hadn't bumped you.
0: No, I didn't miss on purpose.
1: Don't worry. I'll uphold the honor of the old outfit. Star, Vincent's my
0: name. Sharpshooting's my game. Try me. And here is maybe the right answer. Hi, Rafer. Hi, Kristen. Uh, this is Edwin from Ditton, Texas. And um, I think I have an answer to your movie trivia for the week. And I, I want to say that movie was uh, Spaceball, which I hated. And I don't understand why anybody would like that movie, but um that's my guess. i'm I think I'm right,
1: but um enjoy the show. Thanks very much. Bye. no, Edwin. <laughs> no,
0: it's not spaceballs oh, but that's still an outer space movie, which no. yeah, no. you I,
1: I can I can see I can see where you thought that
0: All right. here's the actual right answer of what that outer space movie is. Hey, guys. this is Joe Kotrarski from Cherry Hill, and I'm pretty sure that the trivia answer for this week is. The black hole with Maximilian Schell. Um, that was a movie I really enjoyed as a kid, uh, but I'm also pretty sure that if I saw it now as an adult, I wouldn't be saying the same thing. Uh, great show, guys! Thanks a lot. Great job, Joe.
1: Great job, Joe. To and you are, it. and you are correct. Um, adult eyes would see this film very differently. <laughs> <laughs> let me let me just tell you.
0: Now we want to remind listeners: you can always call all the way up until late Thursday night, even early Friday morning with the correct trivia answer if you have it. Or the incorrect one. Our number's 5717 movies. This week's question in honor of the theory of everything we're going to play a clip of a movie with another astrophysicist. Here's the movie.
1: Now You'll also be trained and evaluated by a few civilian specialists. Civilians are here because they are our very best source of information on enemy aircraft. One of the most qualified is our tag rep. Call sign Charlie. She has a PhD in astrophysics, and she's also a civilian contractor, so you do not salute her. But you better listen to her because the Pentagon listens to her about your proficiency. It's all yours, Charlie.
0: Thank you. Hello. We will be dealing with F5s and A4s as our MiG simulators. Now, then, as most of you know, the F5 doesn't have the thrust to weight ratio that the MiG 28 has. And it doesn't bleed energy below 300 knots like the MiG-28.
1: Who is that astrophysicist? She sure sounds smart. Boy, she does.
0: She sure does. If you know the answer, call us at 5717MOVIES or message us at...
1: Facebook.com slash podcast.